and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. If you've been here, if you haven't, I'll I'll bring you in the loop. We are in a summer series we've titled Kingdom Culture. And really the heartbeat of this series is this deep dive into the look, into uh, looking into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that takes place in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. As Jesus followers, we submit ourselves to kingdom culture, right? So what Jesus is doing essentially in this lengthy sermon is he's laying out what the culture of the kingdom looks like. And simply put, if we're going to be a part of kingdom culture, if we're going to submit ourselves to kingdom culture, then our character needs to look like our kings. Amen. So Jesus is sitting there breaking down all different principles, topics, and thoughts on what it looks like to be a citizen of heaven while we're here on earth. Amen. So as we break this down, we're hoping to walk out of this summer more transformed, living as citizens of heavens right now, not not waiting. So it's been an incredible series. Pastor Duell did an awesome job uh, last week breaking down salt and light. This week, yeah, yeah, come on, give it up for Pastor Duell. You heard one person clapping, so, you know, couldn't have been that bad. No, I'm just kidding. He did a great job. Hey, uh, turn with me to Matthew 7, where we'll find our key scripture for today. Matthew 7, verse 13. It says this. This is Jesus talking. And he says, you can enter God's kingdom. This is verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only few ever find it. When we got together um, to discuss, every, everyone said this is the verse I had to preach on. So thanks, thanks guys. No, I'm just kidding. I I picked it. Um, Come on, you guys know we're a church. We're not going to run from the tough stuff. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. Father, we just uh, invite you to till the soil of our heart right now to receive the truth of your word. God, I pray as the seed of your word goes forth that it would grow roots in our heart. It would grow to produce fruit in our lives. We don't want to just come in every week and just listen to your word. We want to apply it to our lives. We want to be transformed by it. We want to be more like you. And I pray that you would use this message to do deep work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So a lot of you know, maybe not all of you know, um, but I played a little bit of college football back in the day. And ever since I've played college football, I've had issues with my back. Um, You know, messed up some of my discs in my back. And, you know, I've experienced a lot of healing since then. But every once in a while, it'll just get re-aggravated or I'll just injure it again. And I seem to be a little more injury prone now. So I had been having some issues with my hips. My hips had been hurting. Been having a little bit of pain, but um, I I still decided to work out. I went into the gym this particular morning and um, we were doing back squats for those who don't know, you know, putting weight on your back and just sitting it down to the ground. Not going to do a full squat here, but my jeans are stretchy. So I could just throwing that out there. <laughs> How do you fit in those tight jeans? They're stretchy. They're stretchy. That's the secret. And they're comfortable too. Yeah. So anyways, let's stay on topic here. So <clears throat> we have a certain amount of sets and reps and, you know, lacking, uh, Humility and wisdom, I'm still going as heavy as I can, even though my hips are hurting and my back's hurting. 
It's my second to last rep on the morning. And I squat the weight down to the ground. It was heavy, I think like a thousand pounds or I don't know, something like that. <laughs> and I squat it, squat it to the ground. And while I'm in the bottom of my squat, I can feel something like lightning kind of like ravish through my hips and my lower back. So I'm like, that's not good. Stand it up, rack the bar. And as I'm walking around, like my legs are giving out. And I can tell this has happened to me a couple of times. Like there's been three or four times where I couldn't walk after squatting or deadlifting specifically. And so I, I don't finish the workout. I get in my car, I go home. I'm like, Abigail, I hurt myself. I get in bed. And like, as time continues to pass, the pain just gets worse and worse. And I can't even walk around my own house. So um, some of you are smiling. You guys are sick. <laughs> so anyways, we, we know I want to relieve some of the pain. So I'm like, man, I, I schedule an appointment with a chiropractor, hoping that if I can get readjusted, then I'll, I'll get some relief. So we get in the car, most painful car ride I've ever taken in my life. All the way into Springfield, like 30 minutes or so, we get out. They, they bring us into the chiropractor room. I'm really having difficulty walking. So we get, we get to action quick. And part of the, the kind of the diagnosis and the breakdown is, is this chiropractor specifically takes an x-ray first to look at the spine and the hips and, and, and try to evaluate, okay, what exactly do we need to readjust? What needs realignment? This was the starting place. So... He, he puts me up on the, um, you know, on the x-ray to, to get x-rayed, but I'm nervous while all this is happening. I'm, I'm nervous because y'all know that I am, uh, I'm a transparent guy, sometimes unnecessarily transparent. And I even wrestled with like, do I even share this story? Because this is kind of embarrassing for me, but I'm just going to shoot y'all straight. I am holding in flatulence at this point, okay? <laughs> I know, I know you're like, Pastor Mark, what are you doing? New time guest, you'll get used to it, I promise. Just come back next week. And uh, so, and I'm nervous, I'm, I'm nervous because I don't know if you guys have ever been to the chiropractor, but this thing's going to come out of me one way or the other. <laughs> and I can't walk, I can't move, I'm trying to be polite, so I'm holding it back, and I'm just thinking, if I just hold this in, maybe it'll go away. Like, maybe it'll just dissolve, disintegrate, I don't know, like, I just am hoping that we don't got to deal with it. If I just don't address it, we don't have to deal with it, it'll be fine. So anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. But anyways, he, to, to start off, he takes an x-ray. So again, look, looks at my hips and, and my lower back. And he goes, do you want me to take you through the x-ray? And I said, sure, that'd be great. You know, I was super curious. And so he pulls up my x-ray on the screen. And we're looking at it. And he's like, here's your disc, you know, and here's your hips. You can definitely tell your hips are off and blah, 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 whatever he says. But I can't help but notice as, as I look at my hips, one hip, it looks like they have two entirely different bone densities. And it's, and it's like, one's totally white and the other one almost looks like transparent. And he's not mentioning it. So I'm like, maybe this is normal. Maybe it's just the way the light was. I don't know. And um, so I can't help but ask him. I'm like, doc, what the heck is going on with my hips? Why, why is this hip so much lighter? He goes, oh, that's just gas. <laughs> Here I am, thinking I'm hiding it from everybody. <laughs> Yet it still existed. It was still there, right? And it's funny, and we laugh. But here's the punch. I think this is a lot like the church's approach in discussing and acknowledging hell. I think it's like this white elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. But church not confronting it, not talking about it, doesn't remove the reality that it exists, whether we try to hold it back, hide it, or keep it in or not. 
when we x-ray the word of God, when we x-ray the words of Jesus, you will find it in there. We can hide it in our conversations. We can hide it in our church services, but when we x-ray, it's there. And we will especially find it in the words of Jesus. So today I just want to, let's not hold it in any longer. Let's, let's just address it head on today. Let's talk about it. Um, I, I don't think it's something we necessarily have to talk about, dive deep into every Sunday, but I do think there's value in confronting the fact that hell is a reality. And uh, Jesus talks about it in his sermon on the Mount. Again, Matthew 7, I want to share a key scripture one more time. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only few ever find it. This is such a challenging and convicting verse, but it gives us this jarring that we need to step out of our apathy in our pursuit of Jesus, right? It reignites the urgency within us to share the gospel message that Jesus saves. And it's only through Jesus that salvation is found, right? As, as we observe the life and the words of Jesus, we see that even Jesus himself, he didn't shy away from talking about the existence of hell. Okay, this is actually later on in, in the gospel of Matthew. So Jesus shares that in his sermon on the Mount. But then later on towards the end of Matthew, Matthew 25, we see Jesus in another conversation. And this is what he says, Matthew 25, verse 30 through 41. <clears throat> you guys know that Jesus was put in the grave. He resurrected. And, and he ascended to the father, right? He was put in the grave. He defeated death in the grave, came back, walked around for 40 days on earth and he ascended back to heaven. But there is a day that he's coming back and he will judge the world. And this is the reality. And we know that to be true because Jesus tells us about it in his word. So let's look at it. Matthew 25, 30 through 41. But when the son of man comes in glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. From the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and, and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or stranger or, or, and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. I think it's important for us to acknowledge that the purpose of hell, it was prepared in, in, in for Satan and his demons, right? But there is coming a time when Christ will come back and he will rid the earth of evil, 
And, and this is the place in which he will rid, this is, is the trash can of wickedness and evil, which he will dispose of all of it for all eternity as he prepares to make everything new. And we know that we are wicked and evil. And there is only one person who takes away, who has paid the cost. At the end of this life, we will all be judged. We will all pay for the sin. The wages of sin are death. Sin needs to be paid for. You have sin and I have sin. It needs to be paid for. And it will either be paid by Christ or by you. So if there is not faith in Jesus, we also, our wickedness will be paid for with the devil and his demon, where Christ intended to destroy wickedness and evil forever. It says, for I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then he will reply or they will reply, Lord, when, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in person and not help you? And he will answer, I'll tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And then he says this, verse 46. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Again, I want to make it clear the intention of hell is, was prepared for Satan and his demons. Now for humanity, we desire salvation for all, right? But it is just theological truth that Satan will not find salvation and there is no chance for salvation for him and for his demons. They are doomed. Their eternity is set. That's where they will go, right? So, but in, in this life, we are now, we, this gospel message is for all of humanity and our heart needs to break in our pursuit of, them, pursuit of them. But this passage starts with Christ being on the throne as judge. So I want us to talk about that final judgment a little bit this morning. The scriptures make it clear that God the Father gives Jesus authority to execute his judgment. Peter tells us in his book, in his letter, that Jesus is to judge the living and the dead. Now this is in our spiritual state, not, not are we alive right now, we're talking about our spiritual state. There is one thing that takes us from death to life and it is faith in Christ. If you do not have faith in Christ, you are dead Right? And, and, and the scriptures give us proof and evidence of that. John 5, 24 says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. They have already passed from death to life. Through faith in Christ, we are made alive. We are no longer dead, believer. We see in Ephesians, Paul, Paul writes, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient, you were dead, wicked, sinful. All of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath as we live this life with every sin that we commit as our wickedness, uh, as, our, as, our, as our wickedness, as we live out that wickedness in us, we are storing up wrath. We, we are storing up wrath with all the sin and wickedness that we commit. 
The wages of sin are death. There will be justice for the evil that we're committing. As a criminal is held accountable for their crimes, people will be held accountable for their sin. Wrath is being stored up. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive, paid the price, put it on Jesus. So there will be a day where we step in front of that throne and there will be unbelievers. I'm going to break this down. There will be unbelievers and there will be believers and we both will be judged. But, but when he judges the believer, that sin's already been paid for. I don't have to deal with that. And he will only deal with the good works. Verse five or four, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. So when we're talking about the living and the dead, we are talking about our, we're talking about our spiritual states. Okay. And it is Christ who makes us alive. So in Matthew 25, we see this clear separation of the goats and the sheep, the, 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 the unbelievers and the believers. And, and what we discover in the scriptures is that both believer and unbeliever will be judged at the end of this thing. Now, as, as I've read through commentaries, as, as I've studied myself, some theologians don't believe that believers will be present at the great white throne judgment, but they will have their judgment in, in front of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. Whether the, the judgment of unbelievers and believers happens at the same time, or those are two separate events, it doesn't matter because the results are the same. So I want to talk about how unbelievers will be judged and how believers will be judged. I think scripture as I've gone through the scripture, what I've developed, I think my own theology is that these will be two separate judgments, that believers will not be present at the great white throne judgment. We can debate it later. Okay, let's look at the text. Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15, it says this. Now remember, Revelation is the apostle John receiving revelation, receiving a vision, receiving revelation from God through Jesus. Jesus giving him a vision. says, write everything down I'm about to tell you. So this is Jesus speaking to John. And this is the vision, part of the vision John receives. He writes this down. And I saw a great white throne. This is John. I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the, sky, and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. Everyone, everything will be brought before the throne of God at the end of this life. And we will experience judgment. It says, I saw the dead, both great and small. Saw rich people, poor people, black people, white people. Standing before God's throne. And the books were open including the book of life. And the dead were judged, the spiritually dead, the unbeliever. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Every day that we're alive and walking around, the good deeds and the bad deeds we have, there's being a, a, a record is being taken. It's all being seen. It's all being taken down. And in these books, this is, this is what we see as they get to their final judgment, there is a judgment for the way that they live their life. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name 
was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Let me make this clear. It is not works that will get you into the book of life. There is one way there. Now, believers, our works are not irrelevant. We, we will not be punished for our sin. Those are forgotten. Those are paid for in Christ Jesus. But we will be rewarded for our good works when we get to heaven. Now, so, so that's to say in the same way that the unbeliever will be judged by the way they live their life. I think scripture supports the, the thought, the theology that the, in the same way, hell won't be the same experience for the unbeliever. It'll, their, their, their degree of punishment will be based on the way they live their life. In heaven, we will have a degree of reward based on how we lived our life, based on our faithfulness and our good works. Now, keep in mind, that's, that's okay. Heaven's going to be great for everyone. Everyone's going to be joyful, right? There's no envy in heaven. We're not going to be jealous. So-and-so has you know, a greater reward or whatever. It'll be an incredible experience for all who have placed their faith in, in Christ Jesus. But scripture, even Jesus makes it clear, you're going to receive reward for your good thing, okay? So this passage here, the great white throne judgment, it highlights the end of human history and the beginning of our eternal states. And what we discover is that unbelievers will be judged by Christ on the great white throne. And we see in Romans 2, but because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up ter terrible punishment for yourself. We talked about this wrath that's being stored up for the sin that we continue to indulge in. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed and he will judge everyone according to what they've done. So yes, those who haven't believed Christ for their salvation will receive hell as an eternal punishment. But what we discover, again, is based off the way they live their life, the degree of punishment will vary. Now, believers, based off the text, appear to bypass the great white throne judgment, where it's not something we partake of. Um, but we instead seem to have the experience the judgment seat of Christ. Again, this is where uh, Christ judges us. Our, our sin is already paid for, but we receive that reward for the, our good works and in our faithfulness while we lived on earth. Again, right? We learn that John and Paul, they make it clear that the difference between dead and alive is, is faith in Christ. So when that great throne judgment moment, there is the book of life and, and, and the believers, right? Their salvation is sealed. Their, the believer's name is in the book of life. So, and second, this, this whole idea of the, the throne of Christ, that judgment is found in 2 Corinthians 5. And it says this, 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. As, as we are in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord so we can make it our goal to please him. This is talking about a life pleasing God, right? We, we want to live a life that pleases God, whether we are at home in our body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So this final judgment, it does a few things, but two specific things that I want to highlight is something that this stirs up, prompts us, stirs us to do. 
um, two things that we talk a lot about as a church. The final judgment provides us motive to continue our pursuit of transformation, of living, breathing, talking, acting like more like Jesus. There's going to be a great, re- great reward for that as well. He is going to reward us for our faithfulness. He's going to reward us for our good deeds. That's why there's also this removal of, man, I don't feel like it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you feel like. This is faithfulness to God, right? So again, our good deeds don't earn our, don't earn our, our name to be in the book of life. It is only through faith in Christ that our name is put, that, that our sins are paid for, that those aren't dealt with, right? That's how our name ends up in the book of life, but, but there will be reward for the life that we live. So continue in your transformation, Con- continue in your efforts to live a life that honors and glorifies God. Believer, keep going. I want to encourage you in that. Amen. And, but the final judgment also provides motive for us to remain on mission always because eternity is real. Whether we address it or don't address it, whether you receive this as truth or not, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. This is a reality that everyone will face. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, right? The reality is being a good person isn't your saving grace. Salvation only comes through faith in Jesus. Jesus is the narrow gate. That's what he's trying to communicate to his disciples. Therefore, the carrying and sharing of this gospel message that, hey, your sin needs to be paid for. And you can pay for it yourself, or you can put faith in the man who did, who paid for it for you. So here we are kind of addressing this, this final judgment. I also think that we should take time to address, okay, okay what, what is hell? Pe- people cast into the lake of fire. Pastor Mark, what is that? What is it going to look like? What, is, what does the Bible tell us about it? And, and y'all, I am willing to admit as many of us may agree that the whole existence of hell and hell itself is just a weird kind of uncomfortable thing to address, confront, and talk about. And and still, you know, I want to encourage you that you walk out of here. You may have questions and I got questions too, but based off the truth of the word of God, this is what we see. We're going to receive it as truth. We're going to believe it and talk about what we do know and what he has given us. Jesus, you're welcome. Jesus is clear. Hell exists. Jesus is clear, hell exists. And there will be people, not just Satan and his demons, who spend eternity in hell. And I think in efforts to soften the blow of the reality of hell, many have tried to soften what that experience might be and what that, what that might look like. And I am not here to soften it. I am here to communicate what the scriptures tell us about eternity in hell. Here's a couple of false doctrines about hell. Um, a little something called annihilationism, where I don't believe the scriptures support this ideology or theology or whatever you want to call it, but it's that in, in, into the lake of fire. It's really dealing with the time period of hell in our consciousness in hell. We'll be aware, will we be aware that there's punishment and torture happening? So annihilationism is that there, there's really two thoughts that you will be conscious, but time will be limited. Eventually, you'll just be annihilated and just kind of go away. And it's sort of this temporary thing. It's this temporary punishment that you'd experience for a little while. And then you just disintegrate and dissolve and it's, and it's done. Then there's this other idea that you're not ever conscious for any of that punishment, but it's just kind of like this lifeless, soulless spirit that just is, is punished forever, but you're not, there's no consciousness. So, um, dwelling there. I don't know. 
Um, but both of these thoughts, ideologies, theologies, whatever, they're more pleasant, but they're inconsistent with the teachings in Scripture. In Matthew 25, we see Jesus from, from the words of Jesus himself, right? Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you cursed ones into the eternal fire, eternal, forever. Eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Then a couple verses down in Matthew 25, verse 46, it says, and they will go away into eternal punishment. Notice that word punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. So here we see, not, not only is it eternal, but it is in fact punishment. So maybe we look at those verses and we're not convinced, ah, maybe there's still room for that. Well, Revelation brings even more clarity to this. Revelations 14, verses 10 through 11, it says, and they will be tormented. This is again, the vision John's receiving from the Lord directly with, with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever and they will have no relief day or night for they have worshiped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. Therefore, as your pastor in this house, if you want to know my thoughts on hell, if I had to define it, hell is conscious punishment and torture that lasts for eternity. It is eternal conscious punishment for the wicked. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, Pastor Mark, like, why are you emphasizing this and bringing clarity to that? And my answer to that is I think there's value in knowing what God through Jesus has made effort to save us from. And I think there's value in knowing that there are two eternities that exist. And Jesus is the narrow gate to eternal life. That salvation is, is, is only in his name. And I think there's value in knowing that judgment is coming and Christians need to stop playing church and surrender their lives to the one who freedom is found in. We need to receive revelation that faith in Jesus changes everything and authentic faith in Jesus always produces the fruit of transformation. Amen? Kim, you can come. But just as important as it is to highlight hell, its reality, its eternity, I think it's just as important, if not more imperative, to magnify what Jesus not only has saved us from, but what he saved us to. You want to talk about freedom on the 4th of July. We can talk about real freedom. What is heaven? Heaven is a place that will be of divine beauty and radiant with the glory of God. Heaven is a place where we will enjoy eternal fellowship with the people of God. Heaven is a place where we will reign in God's kingdom. Heaven is a place where we will never again endure sadness, sickness, and suffering. But more than any of that, heaven is a place where we will be in the presence of God, enjoying unhindered fellowship with Him. Remember, we look at the Old Testament you see the glory of God fill the temple and the priest can't even stand in his presence. 
You see the glory of God in the New Testament meet shepherds and they're filled with fear in the presence. But in heaven, we will approach him boldly. We will endure the power and holiness of the presence of God in the presence of his glory. And we will rejoice together. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven is freedom. And I just felt it so appropriate on July 4th to take time to encourage you with the thought that real freedom is only found in Jesus. Real freedom is only found through faith in Christ. You can white knuckle those good works. You can try to be a good person. You can go and try to get all the achievement to fulfill and satisfy. You can chase anything you want, but it's all chasing the wind. Real freedom is only found in Jesus. If freedom was bought for you, it's not something you can earn, something you got to receive. Freedom was bought for you on the cross. Real freedom is only found in Jesus. First Timothy 2, verse 3 through 6, it says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone, say everyone. This is his heart. Don't get it twisted. Right? The reality is that not everyone will receive eternal life with the Father, but his heart is that everybody would. That's what his word says. Who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth? For there is one God and one mediator, Jesus. one, One who connects us with our heavenly father. And one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. God is pursuing you. God loves you. God wants you. God made way for you. God inhabited the earth, gave himself on a cross to say, faith in me, your sins got to be paid for. That's the reality. But here I am. I gave myself for you. You don't have to wear that. You don't have, you don't have to drown in your shame and your guilt that you're not good enough. There will be a day that all your unworthiness, all your sin dissolves through faith in Christ. You don't have to pay for that. I don't remember that. Come into eternal life with me. I've prepared a place for you. Real freedom is only found in Jesus. God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The word tells us it's, he's not being slow. He's being patient because his desire is that everyone would repent, that no one perish, but that everyone repent. Amen. Romans tells us, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Listen, church, even God putting this in your pastor's heart to communicate is an act of grace and mercy towards you, saying, I am calling you home. I'm giving you truth. I'm illuminating your eyes. I'm opening your heart. I have made way for you. Receive my grace. Receive my mercy. Receive that my sacrifice was enough. Jesus wants a relationship with you right now. A God God who lives and breathes, who is active. He wants to put his spirit in you and make you new. Have communion with you forever. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me.